you know, I have nothing to prove. I don't have to prove to anyone that I'm a strong woman or an empowered woman or, you know, that I'm standing in my power. I don't have to prove that. I don't care if you think that I am doing that or not. I'm here to embody and to be fulfilled myself. So if what I'm doing is resonant, beautiful, and if not, that's beautiful too. And so how we engage with that is by first singing into our own space of what feels most me as opposed to what can I do? What feels most me? And then what do I desire to do? Because we can do anything. That's the nature of our power. We can do anything. So let's not, let's not keep asking that question. And I think if women stop asking that question, um, we'll be a lot happier. <laughs> your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations. Your joys and creative spurs. Your femininity. Your success. All in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. Hi, girlfriends. Before you listen to this episode on Girl Skill Podcast, I quickly want to jump in and make you a personal recommendation for the goddess kit that comes from Rosie Rees, founder of Yoni Pleasure Palace and Naked Yoga, who's also been my guest on episode 31, which has been one of the top ever downloaded episodes on this podcast. So the goddess kit is actually a jade yoni egg and a rose quartz pleasure wand that comes in a beautiful black box with pouches for safekeeping. And it's really a self-pleasure, a self-care practice. So the Yoni egg, you can think about it as weight for Kegel exercises. And what it does is it has amazing benefits to it. It strengthens your pelvic floor, which helps a lot with weak bladder. It prevents prolapse. It rehabilitates the pelvic floor after childbirth, which is like my case. And since I've been using it, in fact, you know, after I interviewed Rosie, I said, you need to get this for me, for my husband. And so he bought it for me. I've been using it and I have seen quite a few amazing results. And since then, I also have gifted it to my girlfriend friends. So besides all of these benefits, you'll also become more sensitive rather than numb to pleasure, switching on the vaginal nerve endings to be more receptive to internal orgasms. And it also helps with the lubrication, which particularly can occur for women who have hit menopause. So it's basically for all women, young or old, and think about it as a crossfit for your vagina. Another thing that's included in the goddess kit is the pleasure wand. And the pleasure wand is really a self-pleasure practice rather than, you know, using all these rubber and silicone vibrators to just get it off and it becomes a deeply nourishing practice you can put it under warm water use your favorite lubricant and it can enhance your internal orgasms so girlfriends i highly recommend you check it out go to girlskill.com pleasure and you'll read more about the whole kit and rosie has been very generous to offer a 15 percent discount for the pleasure kit but also you can use it in in her whole store so use girlskill at checkout called girlskill at check out and again go to girlskill.com slash pleasure to find out more about it and now let's jump into this episode hi girlfriends before you listen to this episode i quickly wanted to tell you that this is one of the top ever listened episode on girl skill and to celebrate 100 episodes released i decided to basically recycle the top three episodes on the podcast so the links are still the same everything is still the same and i thought i would just share this with you because these episodes are completely transformational and amazing enjoy all right girlfriends welcome to another episode of girl skill and um it is a really special one First of all, because I'm recording for the first time in a long time from Australia. So 
I've just moved here and uh, settling in and um, currently at almost 30 weeks pregnant and just starting to live a normal life, I suppose, where you buy a car and you settle in an apartment for a year, which I haven't done in a really long time. But anyways, that's a story for a personal episode, which I'm going to release soon. But today we have a very special guest um, and I am, I don't even know how, how to explain it, where to start. Uh, I guess I'm deeply humble and grateful to have talked to this woman um, because this woman and her message and her voice in this episode is like something out of this world. Um, but before I get there, let me just quickly read a review that we got on the podcast from Anna. And I'm very, very grateful for each and every review that you post. And if you like any of the episodes that you listen to and you still haven't left a review, please, please go to iTunes, find Girl Skill and leave a review on iTunes because it's really helping the podcast, get more listeners, get more Jews, get bigger guests and have amazing conversations. And so Anna writes, I've never really been one to take interest in podcasts, but from my first listen, episode 76 with Kasia Urbaniak, by the way, that is an incredible episode, one of the best. Anna says, I knew it was no mistake and that I had to stumble upon Anna Rova's channel. This is a voice that we need to hear, whether you're an entrepreneur or just a woman or even a man who's very present with your own journey. You will unmistakably find the message within that that speaks to you. These conversations with other women completely highlight what it means to be feminine. No disregard to men, but rather appreciate the yin and the yang and what it means to be both. At the end of each episode, I find myself more encouraged and inspired to embrace living my best life as myself. Anna, as well as the women she has interviewed, are proof that there's no way to fail as long as you're living life for yourself as yourself. Thank you. Oh, my God, Anna, this thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> this is a perfect leeway into this incredible episode. So... I have a story for you to tell about Namaste Moore, who is my guest today. I have randomly, quote unquote, randomly stumbled upon her on Facebook, which happens very rarely. Like very rarely I find someone on Facebook and, and I just start listening. Um, it's simply because I don't scroll Facebook or social media. And if you start working with me in a, when you work with me as your coach, for example, of femininity and feminine embodiment, uh, first thing I do with you in one of my programs is I, I ask you to stop scrolling and then we all kind of get healthier and happier. But anyways, um, somehow I just stumbled upon this video and I saw the title for that episode or for that video was, the, the name was weird, Namaste More. I'm like, who's that? Uh, but, but the title of the video was How Feminism Violated the Feminine. And I'm like, what? That's kind of right up my alley. Let me check it out. and. Oh my goodness, I think it was maybe about 25 minutes or more, like 40. I can't remember. And the minute I hit play, I found myself with a pen and, and a piece of paper and stopping and listening again, stopping, listening again, writing it down. And I wrote a whole post on Medium on it and I've shared it. And it just spoke to me on so many different levels. And some of the quotes from that one that I particularly remember, and this message resonated with me so much, and I teach women this, and I use this 
almost everywhere now is something that she said, nobody can empower you as a woman. You have the power. Nobody can give you power. No legislation, no hierarchy. Nothing can give you power or take it away from you. And this for me was like, wow. <laughs> you know? And that's how that's one of the ways feminism violated the feminine. So I talk about it in my workshops, in my work with women. It's like no one can give you power. This whole empowered women, empower women. What the hell does that mean? I mean, I'm teaching women and namaste is like a teacher's teacher. Like she's really someone that I, I've on this episode asked the questions that I myself am confused and I'm, you know, I don't have all the answers. I have a lot of answers on the femininity journey and womanhood, but there's some still questions, especially when it comes to feminism today and all the messages and, and namaste. She's like, she can hold this space and I was just blown away. So anyways, um, that's what, and then I messaged her and I didn't think she would reply, but then she did. And we got on a podcast and I was like, like literally every word that this woman says, <laughs> like you'll hear in this episode, I'm like, I'm just in, in awe, you know, like, and, and because of my pivot. So now I'm interviewing more and more women about womanhood, about femininity. Like I'm done with just interviewing women. How did you get from A to B and how, well, I don't, I didn't talk about business before much, but I think you know what I mean. And so conversations like this, like literally we, we, we stopped recording and I had to sit there and I was like, oh my God, this, uh, this is the conversations I need to be having. Like, this is it. There's so much depth here. I think I wouldn't have listened to it a couple of times myself. But anyways, let me talk, let me tell you about who she is quickly before you get to listen to this. This is like a channel, you know, save this. And then listen to it every single time. This is like a prophet or something. Save this and listen to it every time that you feel frustrated, worried, or like you're off your path. So, Namaste More, evocateur, femininity expert, ecstasy educator. Namaste More is the founder of SOFT, the school of feminine transformation and the creator of Occupy the Feminine, a movement of women choosing to consciously occupy their feminine essence. She is a public speaker, educator, and coach using her unique gifts, juicy insight, and humor to inspire transformation. A wife, mother of eight, got to point your attention there, but she looks like she's 27, um, mother of age, she's also a Reiki master, law of attraction practitioner, and wisdom keeper of women's mysteries. Namaste's gifts, uh, gift is in being a catalyst for the actualization of your essence in a way that soothes the soul and nourishes, nourishes your being pleasurably and ecstatically. This is something taken from Namaste's website. So in this episode, Namaste and I really talk about, as I mentioned, um, you know, like the way she describes femininity is something I've never heard anyone else talk about before on the podcast or anywhere else. It's just you sit there and you listen and you're like, what? Like, whoa, you know, and just blows your mind. Um, we talked about very, very interesting things. So I've asked her a controversial question in terms of something that I've been really struggling with to, to explain to women when they ask me like, 
you know, what is this femininity, masculinity essence? Isn't all of this a gender? Isn't gender a social construct? Um, what about binary people? What about people who feel both feminine and masculine at the same time? What about people who feel none and all of this? So I've just really asked her and she was able to explain it to me in such an amazing way and actually confirm my beliefs um, in what I always knew was 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 true to me and in my experience based on David Data and all of this. I won't, I won't disclose it, listen to the episode and make up your own mind. Um, and, you know, she, we talk a lo- about a lot of different things. Um, and one of the things that I've asked her is also this kind of confusion that I had of, you know, how do we bring the feminine to the workplace into a male dominated environment? I don't want to, I don't like this word male dominated, but by nature, business uh, strategy and direction is masculine. So how do we bring feminine essence into the masculine environment of work? And she said, listen, the masculine essence of work, the masculine environment of work needs the feminine. Uh, it needs like men and the masculine essence wants to consult with the feminine. So as a feminine woman, you can lead in a feminine way and bring a lot of gifts to the table that the masculine just doesn't have. So that's it. Amazing episode. I'm like seriously blown away and I can't wait for you to listen to it and just get back to me, leave a review and uh, oh my goodness, I hope you like it as much as I did. All right, enjoy. Girl skill, female success redefined. Girl Skill listeners, today I have a very special guest, a woman who I've been looking forward to having on the show for a while now, and she's here with us live. Her name is Namaste Moore. Uh, Namaste, welcome to Girl Skill. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Anna. <laughs> Thank you for being here with me today. And ah, so good to be here. It's like I already feel a relief, you know, <laughs> because. I feel like, you know, I've been telling you a little bit about my journey and um, femininity and feminism and the, all of the controversy and how I actually found you is through a video that you did on Facebook. And I randomly stumbled upon you. Obviously, it was not uh, random, right? It was a <laughs> coincidence, serendipity or whatever, yeah. where you talked about how feminism violated the feminine, something that has been very controversial, uh, but it completely resonated with me. And uh, my hope and my intention with this interview is to really ask you some of the questions that I personally have that I still haven't figured out. Um, I am on this journey of stepping into my own womanhood and femininity. And of course, I'm coaching other women and everything and becoming a leader in this space. But I feel like you're just so much... Oh, you have more, just more experience um, in this and, um, and you're also a channel. And so there's a lot going on and we're going to get into some of the stuff you're doing today with um, your husband and you guys have like eight children and uh, you look amazing. And it's just, I mean, I know that I'm so grateful for you to be here and to provide us with some of the answers that I'm still juggling with, which is very, we live in complicated times as women and um, there's a lot going on. So very, very grateful that you're here. And today we're really going to talk about where feminism meets femininity and how can modern women actually, you know, have the life they want and take advantage of the choices that we have today, which is a lot of possibility and opportunity. We create our own reality. I'm like on board with the whole subject. <laughs> also, yes, yes. 
Yeah, but also how do we um, how do we don't fall into the trap of uh, living in a masculine way, achieving success in a masculine way, compete with men and all of that, but really cultivate, nourish, and uh, step fully into our femininity. So before we get into all the juice, we're just super juicy and exciting. <laughs> and I must say, I have a couple of icebreakers for us. So uh, these are like short, fiery questions. Um, and it's up to you how you answer them, of course. And we will start with, um, what is your superpower? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good one. What is my superpower? I would say my superpower is to usher people into a space of surrender and absolute acceptance. Mm, beautiful. What is the best gift that you've ever received? Mm, the love of my husband. Mm, what is the best gift you've ever given? Mm, myself. Hmm. Love that. Who is one person dead or alive that you'd love to have dinner with? Will and Jada Smith. I really love their energy and what they put out and the fact that in Hollywood, they have been able to create and sustain a powerful partnership, create these just beautiful children that have this unapologetic freedom and, uh, and do that on their own terms. And I love the polarity between them. Mm, love the immersion polarity. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next question is, what is the best thing about being a woman? <sighs> the mystery, the constant unfolding, fascinating mystery of it. Mm. And what is the hardest part about being a woman? <laughs> the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> the same it's thing. Always something, yeah, there's always something that is hidden and that is uh, wait, awaiting an invitation versus um, uh, pushing itself. And that, I think, is the most challenging aspect. Because because it is hidden, it's easy to miss. Mm. Oh, that's so deep. Oh, I feel like that's going to be a quote of the of the interview. Love that. Awesome. <laughs> uh, what is your astrological sign, and how are you using it da daily, if you are at all? Mm. So I am a Libra with a great deal of. Um, I'm so close to that cusp of Libra and Virgo. I'm a September Libra. So my experience has been that September Libras tend to show up a little different than October Libras. They have a little more of the analysis um, element. And I use it daily uh, in my life because that Libran desire for beauty um, infuses our existence. Um, my, my beloved says that I am the invitation to beauty. And so that shows up all the time. Um, that Libran uh, ability to see both sides of anything means that I'm non-dual. I tend to be able to 
old space for very extremely polarized ideologies and perspectives. And I actively cultivate the range of that, like how far out can we push that and then encompass all of it. And so I I play with that pretty frequently. (laughs) Yeah, as we can see online, for sure. I mean, it takes a special kind of person, a special kind of woman to be talking about the things you're talking about so openly online and being able to hold that space. I'm, you know, I'm slowly stepping into that space. It took me a while. It was very scary, but I'm slowly baby steps figuring it out. And I'm sure it's going to take me time, (laughs) but with practice, (laughs) it all comes. And I know you're also a channel and a healer and um, you do so so many amazing things. Um, (laughs) All right. uh, Let's move on to the next question. Um, Who are you when no one is watching? Hmm. Who am I when no one is watching? Uh, I am the divine feminine having a human experience. (laughs) And there is a fierce joy that I take in everything when the camera's on or when it's not, when people are around or when they're not, um, just this total immersion, like elbow deep uh, into anything and everything. So if I'm watching a movie, if it's funny, I laugh out loud. And if it's sad, I cry, you know, full blue, blue tears and, You know, if I'm studying something, I'm laying out on the floor, you know, just immersed in it and full body living in it because this is the only opportunity that we have for that embodiment is in the human experience. And so, you know, I am a person who just fully enjoys this, my humanity um, and the fact that I get to experience being human. Mm, speaking like a true goddess indeed i'm just listening. i'm just sitting here and listening and soaking in this divine presence you know <laughs> oh my goodness i love it all right um what would you do if nothing was required of you hmm. huh, that's an interesting question because i don't really feel like anything is required of me So I I suppose that I would be doing exactly what I am doing. Nothing is required. Everything that I do is by sovereign choice. You know, I'm doing it because I I want to do it. It pleases me to do it. And and so Mm -hmm. I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing now. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful place to be in. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And moving on, what is your biggest fear? Mm. I would say that my biggest fear is that my beloved would choose to check out of his humanity before I've chosen to check out of mine. Like mm. I we really are twin flames and um, we have journeyed this life together many, many lifetimes. And 
I really do, uh, there's an, he completes me in many ways. He's the other half of me. He is the masculine part of me. So if he chooses to check out of, of his humanity, what most people would call death, um, I just call it checking out, you know, if he chooses to, to and move on to the next thing before I've chosen to check out of my humanity, um, that would be a, a challenging journey to do without him. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think about it sometimes and then I choose not to think about it because just thinking exactly. about it, <laughs> just thinking about it makes me like, and my husband is a bit older than me. So, yeah. you know what they say, yeah, women so is longer. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. I can't think about this. I can't imagine it. So. Yeah. Well, but he's I promised me that he won't. <laughs> right. He's promised, he's promised that he won't be checking out anytime soon. Yeah. So Exactly. Okay, that's good to know. I got to make my husband promise me the same thing. (laughs) He's had some visions, you know, he's just as much of a channel as I am. And so he's had some visions and he's (laughs) like, yeah, it's don't worry about it. It's not a thing. He's, he's about a decade older than me, a bit, a bit more than a decade older than me. And he's like, Mm -hmm. don't worry about it. It's it's not a thing. And so I'm like, okay, good. (laughs) Okay, good. Yeah. That that makes me happy for now. All good. (laughs) Love it. All right. So juicy question. I mean, one of the most important ones, um, what is femininity for you? Femininity for me is the opportunity to, first of all, it's it's essence, which is a little bit different than energy. Energy can occupy many different places, but essence is, for some things, essence is the nature of it. Uh, When we talk about essence, we're saying this is the beingness of it, the itness of something, the um, the very nature of it. So fun, fundamentally, femininity is the nature of those who are feminine, who identify with that. Um, how it shows up, there are a plethora of ways, but foundationally, I would say it is the, uh, the mysterious and yet also uh, creative and nurturing element and aspect. It is the aspect of that which desires to be filled, um, that which desires to um, give birth, that which desires to embody. So it is at its core, it has a deep longing and a deep um, (laughs) waiting to be filled and expressed. And you see this through all religions and all um, spiritual traditions, whenever the feminine is described, it is described in those terms. And so I believe that femininity is, uh, is mystery at its core, fear, fearful and fascinating mystery. Mm. You, you speak in such poetic words. I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I asked this question to all the women on the show, but I've never heard it put being put so poetically this which um wants to be filled and give birth and waiting to be filled and expressed um i love it and let me ask you a follow-up question here because you mentioned mystery a couple of times and it's it's very interesting that what is which is hidden could you explain a bit more this concept mm-hmm. of femininity 
in your words being equated to to mystery to that which is hidden well i believe that when we try to um <clears throat> the 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 modern uh our attempts at embodying femininity at, at being feminine we, there's a tendency to want to anchor it into one thing. You know, is it makeup? Like when I talk to women who've mm-hmm. never come in contact with the idea of femininity, the first thing they say is, you know, when I say I'm a feminine, I'm the feminine alchemist, they go, well, what do you mean? Are you talking about sex? Are you talking about makeup? Are you talking about dresses? What are you talking about? And, and I believe that it's that, that need to do that, that causes women to feel oppressed because when you try to take something that is by its very nature unexplainable, un- unfathomable, um, um, it does not hold within it the ability to be anchored into one set thing. And then you say it is this. Mm-hmm. There's something in us. There's something in our feminine that says, I refuse to be limited into that box that you have tried to place me in. And that is she, capital S, that is that feminine divine that says, no, 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 you cannot just place me in this box and say, this is what I am. So, so when I talk about the feminine as that mystery, it is mystery desires to be found. You know, that's when you read a book, a mystery book, what is the part of it? There's the, it's unknown. And at the same time, it's the longing to be known. It's unseen, intangible. And at the same time, you can get a glimpse, a hint. It's, it's the fragrance. Like if you, um, if you've ever come in contact with a woman who has on just the right amount mm-hmm. of perfume, mm-hmm. you, you, when she walks past, you get a whiff but not, a, but not a nose full, you know, it's, it's just enough where you go, what was that? I want to, I want to follow her because I want to smell it a little bit more. And then you might stand there and talk to her and still it's like, what is that? I, I can't quite grasp it. And it's that, it, it is that mysterious element that draws the masculine, that intoxicates the masculine and uh, that inspires the masculine. And so that's our interplay. Um, It is that that creates, it's why um, many times the feminine is feared even by women because Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. What is that? What's inside of my womb? I don't know. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Is it, is it a two spirit being that wants to be birthed? Is it what's happening? Well, let's see. We got to see, you know? And, and so, um, and so the feminine is that which, which causes you to, to want to see. And at the same time, you could be looking right at it and only get a glimpse of it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love about her. Mm-hmm. Y- yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're speaking now and I'm like, who, who is this woman? Like, what's going on? Like exactly what you're describing. You are that. It's like you just get a glimpse of it. So I'm hearing your words because I don't see it on camera, but like I want more because it's like yeah. I kind of res- I, re- I really resonate and I and I kind of understand yeah, but not fully, and uh-huh. like I want more, and it's like intoxicating. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's that it. that draws you to her. Yeah. It's that that draws you to your own feminine. Is that mm. I, I can feel it. I can touch it. It's it's as elusive as an orgasm. You know, the feminine, um, our experience of orgasmic and climactic energy and, and pleasure is so distinct from the masculines. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the more we desire, like I teach women how to experience orgasmic bliss and then how to live in that state. And it is elusive. It's like, oh, oh, yes, it feels so good. <gasps> but if I, if I focus on it too much, it goes away. I have to just allow it. I have mm-hmm. to just allow it. And, and then it comes upon me and, and, oh, yes. And, oh, but there's more still, you know, and, and it is that it is the embodiment. Mm, mm, beautiful. And what I really ad- ad- admire and respect in your message and what you just told us is that you have such a deep appreciation and understanding of the feminine essence. And I love how you just distinguish between the essence and the energy. And mm-hmm. I find that empowering. And I, mm-hmm. I know I have felt in my body and in my work and everything that the feminine is power. And I feel like together we are perhaps not on a, not on the same, but on a similar journey to educate um, Mm -hmm. and to bring this message forward. Because once I understood the power of everything, I, I, I'm never able to, to put this into words like you do, but inherently, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, fundamentally understand exactly what you're talking about. So yeah. Oh my goodness, so beautiful. Okay, let's move on. I'm sure we'll have a lot of this, uh, uh, you know, conversations and little passages going on. Um, so namaste, we, before we, we, we're actually just in the first segment, but um, do you consider yourself successful and why? I do. And the reason why is because I am living the life that I desire to live. I believe that everyone creates their own life, whatever it looks like they have created it. And so looking at it and saying, look what I have created is the beginning of saying, uh, then changing and going, okay, now what did I, what do I want to create? (laughs) What do I want it to be? And so the life that I'm living is exactly the life that I desire to live. It is, I'm doing what I've been put here to do. Um, and I, I love it. I love my life. And fundamentally to me, that success is, do you love the life that you have created? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so on a scale of one to 10, if there would be such a scale, um, how, <laughs> how excited are you about life right now and why? Oh my goodness. Scale of one to ten, yeah, ten, ten to the tenth degree. Um, I'm very excited about life uh, because it just keeps getting better and better. The mm-hmm. older I get, um, I, I consider old, getting older to be ripening, and so um, I, I feel that I become more juicy with every passing year. So it's just dripping and oozing, and and um, you know, just just so sweet. Um, I'm excited about what is being created through me, through my um, interaction with other amazing women like yourself and 
and uh, and just the potentiality that lies uh, in life itself. As long as there is breath, there is opportunity. And so um, I'm I'm super excited about that mm-hmm. and enthralled by it. Mm. So I want to ask you a follow up question here because I keep I mean I I'm not interviewing a lot of women in their 40s or even 50s. But when I do, first of all, what I really appreciate is the wisdom that I don't hear much from younger women. Not to say that, you know, age equals wisdom, but still. And um, since you you mentioned, you know, getting older is ripening. And uh, of course, I don't think about this now, but I find it fascinating how women, as they get older, they relate to their age and how, you know, so, so my question is, how do you deal, obviously, like you're enjoying this period, but I guess, uh, are you saying it's an e- easy journey for you? Or are you while losing your youth, quote unquote, oh, like you look like 25 right now. So it's, maybe that's not a problem for you. Um, but I'm just wondering in terms of, you know, getting older and let's say even going through hormonal changes, I interviewed mm-hmm. a woman mm-hmm. um, on the podcast and she just told me, Anna, I've just gone through a complete revamp of who I am. Mm-hmm. And she, what she was describing, so going through menopause was something that I experienced in the pregnancy, you know, the first trimester was just like insane. Right. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering how are you kind of dealing with that or viewing it? Are, what, what is the relationship? What's changing? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that stage? question. Mm. Yeah, I love that question. I believe we need more questions like that because, uh, you know, they really help women on the cusp or even before they get to mm-hmm. this stage um, to begin to navigate it. Um, that, that That's important. Um, so I really believe that the work that we do in our 20s and our 30s prepare us for what's happening um, when we get into our 40s and our 50s and beyond. Um, and that the more awareness that um, we cultivate, the easier it is, or at least the more awareness we have of what's happening. Um, so to, to kind of uh, drill down on that, I'll say um, we have eight children. Our youngest child is 17. Our oldest child is 28, almost 29. And as the, with the first four, as they, be, as they came of age, Um, we were just, because there were so many children left, it was like, we love you. You know, we're always here for you. Um, but we really didn't focus on the fact that they were becoming adults as such. It was like, oh, they're an adult. Okay. I recognize that. I understand that, but it didn't really on a personal level inform upon us or impact us. Um, as far as what does this mean for me that you are an adult, Mm. but with the last group of children, um, as they come of age, we've been more mindful of the fact that, um, you know, okay, this is the last time we're going to be at this elementary school because we have no more children that are at elementary school level. This is the last time we'll be at the, the middle school. And so as they've, uh, you know, begun to leave the nest, <laughs> um, what has happened is that it's been, uh, we've been able to offer more grace to that process because we were so aware of it as it was happening. So it wasn't like, I just looked up one day and all my kids were gone. It's more like, mm. no, I've watched them. I've been with them as they're taking this journey and been with myself as they're taking this journey. So in my own feminine, 
embodiment as I watch my body change, as I watch my body ripen, as I as as things shift, you know, hair begins to appear in other places and mm-hmm. and it turns silver. And uh, you know, oh wow, there's a line there that wasn't there before. Oh, mm, you know. Ah, yeah, my my yoni requires me to be present with her. Uh, she she makes that invitation as opposed to my body responding only to uh, the longing to be filled with child. Um, instead, it's responding to my longing to be filled with pleasure. Um, it, it, that presencefulness with it, I think, makes it less challenging because it becomes this opportunity to see things shifting as opposed to longing for what was. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed being in my 20s. I I enjoyed that period and and the the unknownness of it. Like, hey, yeah, I think it goes like this. And, you know, there's a lightness there. Um, and and also I am enjoying the period where there's the putting down of roots and and uh and that ripening of the fruit that's been on the tree. You know, it's exciting when fruit appears. That's to me like the twenties. Um, but in you know, as you get older and it's like it's also exciting when you start seeing like, ooh, look at that, look at that peach. It's so juicy, it's mm. so full, you know, it's so fragrant. And and so I'm enjoying that even while I'm I'm observing it at the same time. You know, my mm. hormones are, they do change and and shift and 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 uh, and and so being present with that means saying, oh yes, I can't just take things for granted anymore. I need to be present with that. So um, something as simple as skincare. In your twenties, you think you can do anything to your face, and it doesn't really matter. You know, <laughs> I can't you know, look at my daughters, and they're just like, yeah. and try any new fad that comes out. They're just like, yes, I will do this, and I will do that, and and I and I take such joy in that because I remember that. But in your 40s and your 50s, you're looking at it and it's like, no, I need to handle my skin a little more tenderly. I need to, I should pay attention to this. I should look at this. I should know what looks best on me now, you know? So, so I think that there's an opportunity to like grieve it and mourn, you know, the end of your, um, especially in our culture, because women are so, um, desire youth so much. But I also think there's an opportunity to just see it as a change. Mm, and, and yeah. that's how I see it. And do you also see yourself perhaps fully stepping into the role of, um, you know, the wise woman? I mean, I'm talking about archetypally now with, um, you mm-hmm. know, being a mentor, being the wise woman, being the maiden, someone mm-hmm. who can, as you said, you know, hold so much space for the extreme, you know, mm-hmm. views and polarities and everything. Do you think you'd be able to do that in your 30s? <laughs> No, no, not at all. And in fact, I really think that um, it's kind of interesting because uh, I, I, I have started talking to women who are in, you know, their mid to late 40s and older and telling them, you know, really start to reach back to younger women instead of seeing yourself in competition with them or, mm-hmm. um, you know, being upset because they're doing things that you didn't do at that age or what have you um, really see that as an opportunity because, um, 
women need their mothers and they need their grandmothers um, and to hold space for them and to usher them into uh, their, their the fullness of their power. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I believe that I'm able to do that now. In fact, my students and uh, they call me mama, you know, and, and, and they, you know, they look at me as this, um, as that archetype. And it's so interesting because the first time one of my students started calling me that, it kind of took me, a, you know, I was taken aback by it, like, what, you know, and, and, um, and so I, I was like, well, you know, is that my place? Is that what I'm being called to? And, um, and so I went into a period of meditation and um, I was told that, yes, you know, that is my place. That is the next iteration and to fully step into that. And then <clears throat> my beloved was also uh, told that, uh, you know, make sure that they know that they don't have a single mother, you know, that they have a father mm-hmm. too. And so um, that's how we ended up becoming, you know, uh, Shri or Mama Namaste. Um, and, and Baba Richard is because of that. You know, our students made the call for that. And, and now at this point, you know, even women who aren't formally in one of our programs or what have you, you know, they'll just say it, you know, Mama, you know, and, and so I, I consider that a great privilege and an honor. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah, in the be- in the beginning when you when you started talking, I'm like I want more of this woman. I want her to be my teacher, you know, my my men. Well, I I don't my mother passed away when I was really young. So, you know, I was 8 and I I was always um, all my life drawn to women, you know, to wise women who could not necessarily be my mothers but occupy that that space and now that I'm pregnant um, mm-hmm. it's been yeah. really tough for me not having that motherly figure. Like I really need to be mothered before yes. stepping into yes. motherhood, you know, yes. and it's been really challenging. Um, so yeah, I absolutely resonate. And I understand the desire and kind of the, the internal, um, mm-hmm. yearning, especially mm-hmm. and even with women with mothers, you know, I talk to a lot of women mm-hmm. about this and they're like, I do have a mother, but she's not present, you know? Yes. So. Yes. I hear that a lot as well. Yeah. And I, I think that there's a need for women to have that maternal energy in their lives. And a lot of women don't know how to be a woman in the presence of their mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, um, or their mother um, didn't know how to be a mother, you know, right. and she did parents do the best that they can. And, and so for me, it's the embodiment of that, maternal archetypal energy and what I tell my students is you know because some of them have felt conflicted like my mom's still alive but I feel Mm. like you are mama to me and I don't know how to make peace with that and I'm like we're all connected I'm just the aspect of your mother that she doesn't have access to Mm -hmm. so there's no competition between she and me and don't call me mom in the presence of your mother you know give her that but if you are feeling that that longing and that connection then honor that even if it's in your own heart because it's not it's not about connection to me as a namaste as a person it's connected to that that energy, that huge essence that I'm carrying and that's being pulled through me to you, mm-hmm. by you, you know? And so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there's a huge need for that right now in the world, I believe. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so basically, the message to women listening who are still in their 30s, 20s, or whatever, 40s even, is like, there's nothing to be afraid of when we're getting older. It's all ripening and juicing, and it's maturing, you know? It's like a, another beautiful stage of, of womanhood that we step into. And um, yeah, because I know there's a lot of fear around aging. And, oh, yes. Um, yeah. But I love what, what you said. I'm turning silver. I'm like, yes. great. Uh, you know, sounds amazing. <laughs> like, I wonder when I'll be turning silver, you know? It's like, <laughs> awesome. So now we're like halfway into the interview and you haven't even introduced yourself and, um, you know, <laughs> but you are the mystery, right? Maybe we should keep it like mysterious until the end of the interview where I'll, I'll be telling them at the end, like, who is Namaste and all that. But <laughs> Let me give you a chance to actually, you know, introduce yourself properly. Tell us what, what kind of work you do and who you are. Okay. Um, so I'm Shri Namaste Moore. I am the feminine alchemist. I um, have many monikers, the feminine alchemist, the glamorous mystic. Um, I'm a master metaphysician, an ordained minister, an oracle and prophet. Um, I am the twin flame complement to an amazing masculine, divine masculine embodied man, um, the mother of eight children and many, many, many spiritual children. Um, the work I do is predominantly around enabling, facilitating, and supporting women into a path of feminine embodiment and enlightenment. I believe that femininity is a spiritual path for those who have feminine essence and, um, and that the feminine is a huge invitation as well as a space of fulfillment or feminine essence beings. Um, and uh, I teach a lot of classes. I have programs um, and ways to, to engage with that energy uh, and, and with the embodiment of that. Um, and, and that's it in a nutshell. You know, uh, we, do, we do have spiritual teachings for the greater collective and things of that nature. But, uh, and, and, but my, 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 my biggest focus is on supporting women. And what's been coming up lately is also supporting men in healing um, their relationship with feminine essence beings, which is a little different. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people on um, facilitating men in connection with their own inner feminine. But my work is in facilitating masculine men in their connection with the feminine outside of them um, because I do see feminine as essence. So I believe that everyone has uh, yin and yang energy, but not masculine and feminine essence. I believe that those are distinct for most people. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that because I, I'm sure you know David Data and a lot of my work and, you know, the foundations of the feminine masculine essence comes from that and through my own lived experience in the body. That's why I so much resonate and that's the truth in my body. I fully identify as a feminine essence woman. But I sometimes get these questions where I get a little bit kind of like not necessarily confused, but um, I'm starting to question, right? Like, 
is that really true today, especially when we get into the gender spectrum today and a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of con- controversy, new waves, new trends, and, and I'm clear in my message. But at the mm-hmm. same time, sometimes I question, is that really true? You know, do, so I'm curious yeah. what, what you have to say about this and to all the listeners and to myself, because what I know to be true is that, and I see it in real world and in myself, is that the idea with feminine masculine essence is like 80%. So all, all of us, men and women, we have feminine and masculine energies. However, majority which would equate to, I guess, around 80% of women in a female body would identify with a feminine essence. And then majority of men would identify with a masculine essence. And therefore, we have the polarity going on. Therefore, we have certain behaviors and trends. And, you know, there's a lot of research into the brain and the biology, evolutionary things, emotional differences, and, and all of that. And then the I hear questions directed to me also, isn't that all gender, uh, sorry, a social construct? And what about the non-binary people? And what about everything in between? And I'm like, oh my God, there's like, there's so much. And how do I navigate all of this? And I mean, I'm that's why I say, and I'm curious what you have to say, and I must say, I answer this as like, I work with heterosexual women who identify with the feminine essence. Whatever goes beyond that, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Because I can't think <laughs> about it. Mm-hmm. So what, what, can you help us navigate this? And, and what, is the, what are the conclusions or your thoughts around this whole subject of, you know, men are feminine. Like the other day I was on this podcast or gathering and, and a woman got offended because I, I said women, I practically equated women to feminine essence. And mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so it's all really, you know, sensitive and controversial. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Um, I have a plethora. I'm very fortunate that I have so much diversity in my personal sphere and in my personal experience um, because it has expanded me so greatly to be able to see the yes and of many different things. And and yes, yes. So for me, how I see it is that, um, first of all, we are in our modern terms, in our modern world, um, because of what we are seeing, we're using the same words for very different states. And I think that that lends to the confusion. Words are meant to be containers for meaning. And so at some point, if we make a term so broad that it means too many things, then it loses its potency, it loses its ability to be a communicative term, um, communication being connection. So in other words, if I use a term and I use it very broadly and it can mean so many different things, then when I'm talking to someone, um, they can get confused because does it mean this or this or this? So I try to use words with a little more specificity and a precision perhaps than, um, than I often have observed. And so when I describe feminine, when I describe a person's essence, I see people as having um, either feminine essence, masculine essence, both, you know, masculine and feminine to some degree, or and um, being a part of 
what I would call a, a neutered essence or um, just totally um, void of either. And so those are the four primary things that I see. Um, so for a person who is uh, trans, male to female, I would say that based upon their own embodiment and their identity as self, that they are female, they are feminine essence because that's why they went in that direction. Mm-hmm. For a person who is considers themselves to be trans, female to male, they are masculine essence. That's why they went in that direction. Some people say, well, I don't want, I don't feel like I'm either, or I feel like I am both, which is different. I feel like I have both masculine and feminine in me and I want to play with both of them and I want to embody as both of them. And so those people I consider to be two spirit people. They are holding the, the space of both essences, which are actually extremely rare. They're less than like 4% of the population. And then there are some people who say, when I came here, I didn't identify with anything like that with either. And they are even more rare than the two spirit beings. And so now within all of those four categories that I have um, indicated, there is both yin and yang, which is yin being the more passive, the more receptive, and yang being the more active um, energy. Um, So yin and yang energy, masculine, feminine essence, and so we hold them both. As a feminine being, chunking down on that, I am a feminine essence being who has access to both my yin and my yang. Most people would say that's masculine and feminine, but I believe by using those terms, we're confusing ourselves because then you have women who are feminine essence who are wondering, should I be, you know, basically co-opting some of the masculine stuff when you can be feminine essence and still operate in yang energy from time to time. You can, there's very much an action based, there's things to get done sort of thing that can arise from that feminine. You know, that if you've ever seen a woman in birth as you will be soon, she's very, she's actually embodying yin in that she is receptive to what her body is saying and yang when it comes to actually birthing that baby and pushing that baby out but that's not masculine birth is not you know so so i believe that if we get more specific if we use more precision in our language it offers more clarity if that Mm -hmm. makes sense Mm -hmm. yes let me ask you i mean this this is actually getting clear even for me um Mm -hmm. so so i I completely understand the you know the the first two categories right feminine essence masculine essence and please correct me if i'm wrong how like if somebody's sitting there and wondering, well, how do I know, you know, which, which mm-hmm. essence I, I am for me personally, and what I know from the research and many, many women I talked, if you feel, or if I feel that I am, and you know, the classic example is a shelf. If I feel fullness, you know, if I want to fill spaces and, you know, there's mm-hmm. an empty shelf, if I want to, my primary desire is to mm-hmm. fill the shelf, fill the mm-hmm. space, fill the energy, ride the waves of up and down of creativity, Mm -hmm. of nurturing, of creation, Mm -hmm. then I identify with the feminine essence. And if Mm -hmm. the reverse is true, as in emptiness, nothingness, Mm -hmm. um, you know, complete presence and consciousness, then Mm -hmm. you would identify with a masculine essence. And then my Mm follow-up question, I must like, would you agree with that? And perhaps 
you could add of how do I know as a woman identify with a feminine essence? My question is, do you agree or what's your view on the gender specific qualities as in majority of men, do majority of men identify with the masculine essence and majority of women? And that, mm-hmm. let's not talk about the rare cases, like the, right, right. my follow-up yeah. question, but in that container or in that regard, what, what would you say? I would say, um, I believe that that is, uh, that's a, that is a wonderful way of looking at it. I do believe that the majority of women identify as with feminine essence. Um, I think actually it's closer to like 90 something and a majority of men um, identify with masculine essence. That is what I believe is what happens is um, there are things that can begin to erode that or cause us to feel a sense of discomfort with Mm -hmm. our nature, you know, essence being the nature of, right? And kind of came full circle. Mm -hmm. And so do I, am I comfortable? Am I content? Am I, hmm, do I feel an innate value? in my nature and in my essence. And I think that's what really informs upon a person's willingness to live and embody from that state or not. Uh, right now, a lot, of, a lot of women who are feminine essence do not feel safety and, and a, a valuation being valued even within themselves for that feminine essence. And a lot of men do not feel that mm-hmm. masculinity and their masculine essence is valued. And so what happens is when people feel that way because of our human desire for a place, um, they begin to say, well, let me be less that, which is actually, let me be less, that's actually saying, let me be less potent. Let me be less powerful in my being because your space of power is always in your nature. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, um, but I, I believe that, that um, if I was to be more specific as far as the gen, how, the, how it shows up in genders, um, a woman who is feminine will, um, I love that, that analogy that you gave. I think that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a receptivity to her as well. There's a... Um, uh, taking in a response, ah, there it is, the responsiveness. I am, a res- I respond. Um, and you see this all the time, even in women who are leaders, feminine leadership looks very different. It's very responsive. Um, whereas in the masculine, um, it takes the, the, um, the space of being more initiative, taking more initiative and, and um, initiating um, the feminine is more creative. The masculine is more constructive. I will take what is and make something from it. Um, the feminine is more, I will plant this seed and see what arises from it. Mm-hmm. So it's, they, they look very different and there's a complementary. It's not either or, it's yes and. That's why we need each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really been my experience with it. Mm. And what would you say, because obviously, you know, from the masculine and feminine essence, then it's like, how do we navigate relationships? How do we navigate life? And how do we navigate everything? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. You know, if you identify with the feminine essence and what would you say to the whole idea of, no, 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 this is all a social construct. 
meaning that, uh, wait a second, a hundred years ago, uh, men were wearing wigs and dresses and whatever. And like, please don't tell me anything about how things should be or whatever. And uh, this is all a social construct. And so we are free to create our own rules and all the 50-50s and everything. So what's, what's your opinion on that? Well, um, so science has found that there are thousands of differences between men and women. That's from the scientific perspective. Um, the research that has been done, and I know the research that I have done about um, men and women and masculine, feminine across the globe has said that it has always existed in humanity. Um, so even though it looks different in different cultures, how it expresses may be slightly different. Um, the clothing that is worn, for instance. But if you look at the principle, the principle is always present. So, for instance, you know, in certain African tribes, men will um, put on eyeliner and dance and do all of this to get the attention of women, um, which you also see this in the animal kingdom. Um, at the same time, there is still that penetrating you still are seeing the penetration of the masculine um, into the feminine, so to speak. Um, you're still seeing the masculine take that initiative and the feminine being receptive and responsive to it. So I believe that while the way, the specificity of it showing up may look different, the, uh, the principle or the template is there, is found in our humanness. So... Um, sometimes it's easier to understand it like this. Um, we may have different types of cake, chocolate cake, vanilla cake, angel cake, devil's food cake, and all of these different types of cake. But there is a template of cake and there's a space at which cake is no longer cake, right? And so in the same way, you know, we have the template of masculine and feminine. And even though it looks different, um, it is not just a societal construct. Even a hundred years ago, yes, men wore wigs and they powdered their faces and, and they wore, you know, dresses. And in some places, men still, you know, wear um, gowns and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. and, but that is not masculine, feminine essence. What's underneath that, that is the essence. And so that's where we want to um, really look at it and say, yeah, and I, I believe that a person who has a feminine essence, she knows it. And when she hears us, like things like this, like us talking about it, she feels that inner resonance. Mm -hmm. And the same thing for men um, who have masculine essence, they know it. And it's more about um, giving them permission. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes when you hear someone speak about it, you go, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I can stop fighting against my being now. Ah, <laughs> yes. Hi, girlfriends. So sorry to interrupt this awesome episode on Girl Skill, but I quickly wanted to jump in and tell you about Magellan TV, who is the sponsor of Girl Skill Podcast. And I'm highly, highly excited to be recommending them. And if you know me, you know that I would never recommend something that I wouldn't use myself or I wouldn't like. So let me tell you about them. Magellan TV is a new type of documentary streaming provider determined to bring you the finest documentaries from around the globe. And it's actually built by documentary filmmakers. Me and my husband have signed up for a trial 
well. And we've already watched a couple of documentaries, like he really loved the one on North Korea and like cyber attacks and all of that. Magellan actually has the playlist on women in history, breaking barriers. And so I watched a documentary on Nadia Comaneci, who was an Romanian Olympian medalist. I watched the series on Ekaterina the Great and many more, and I really love it. And, you know, if you're looking for an alternative to Netflix, because sometimes I do, I'm like so tired of all these silly TV shows or sometimes I can't find anything. I mean, this is a great, great alternative while you watch something, but you also learn a lot. So the documentaries on Magellan TV can be watched anytime, anywhere. You know, they're streamed without interruptions, meaning no ads. They're compatible with iOS and Android devices and all of that. They offer documentary movies and series and exclusive playlists and genres include history, science, space, nature, and more. So highly recommend you go check it out. And they actually are offering an exclusive two-month trial for free to anyone who's interested at MagellanTV.com slash GirlSkills. So it's M-A-G-E-L-L-A-N-TV.com slash GirlSkill. And the link is in the show notes already. So go ahead, check it out, sign up for a free trial for two months. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain, you know, watching documentaries, learning a lot. All right, now back to the episode. This is a very simple question, but for all the women listening, why is it important for women to really get this? Mm. Because when you really get it, you can have fulfillment. You can be fulfilled and it meets a fundamental need that all humans have, which is we all have a need for place. Place being, where do I fit? What is my space of occupation? This is why most of us have homes and we feel better. You know, this is why we have stuff (laughs) because it's like, this is my place. This is my stuff. This is where Mm -hmm. I belong. When we go into a job, where do I sit? Where's my cubicle? Where's my office? Where's my desk? Why? Because there's something in us that longs, where do I fit in the grander scheme of things? And then once we know where we fit, we add value. And we receive appreciation. And so feminine essence beings, we have a huge need for appreciation. We have a huge need for being seen. Um, We we desire um, and every human wants to be valued. And so when we know what we are, what our essence is, then we can fully inhabit that and that desire to be appreciated, that desire to know where I fit. That desire to say, where do I bring value in? We can begin to operate and embody in that space. So it's deeply fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also understanding, sorry to interrupt. Would you agree that it's also understanding your own essence is you find your place. It is fulfillment. Not only that, but then you start understanding, let's say for us who are feminine essence, the masculine essence and like, how do I play with that? And how do I surrender? And how do I give him a place in this whole thing? And how do we play together? This is where the beauty of partnership comes in, right? Yes, you are exactly right. um, It's it's in that place that we, uh, we, we do begin to say, okay, now, now I know my place. Okay. I also know where is not my place. And that is so incredibly beautiful, even though there, there's a lot of fear there. Like, I know, no, no, I need to be everywhere. No, no, no. Let me know my place. And then I know this is my place. This is not my place. So that not my place is the invitation for the masculine to come in and fill. And, and oh, now. 
how he can experience the joy of knowing what his place is and where he is valued mm-hmm. and where he is respected as well. And, uh, and in that interplay, we begin to we heal ourselves and then the ripples out from that heal the world. Mm, beautiful. So before we dive into, you know, the feminism and the feminine and how do we deal with all of this as modern women having all these choices and opportunities, which is a beautiful thing. Um, just to finish off this conversation with the other two kind of categories that you mentioned, you know, that the first one is the two spirit one. So, sorry, the first one is, you know, feminine essence, second masculine essence, third, the two spirit one who can be both. Um, and then the void, neither or. I'm just, so in my, and, and this is where the, 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 the last two categories, I'm assuming this is where people who identify as non-binary or anyone on the, you know, the whole gender spectrum or whatever. Mm-hmm. What I'm confused, and, and, and this is not to say like, this is my opinion. And, and, and I know women listening will understand the, my intention coming into it, mm-hmm. just pure understanding. And I'm curious what you have to say, and I'm going to stay from your experience. It's like, are and and because it is this movement is so loud today i'm 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 wondering what you mentioned is you know we're practically talking about you know a very small percentage of people who really identify with both at the same time and then neither or and i'm just wondering are they confused i don't even know that's not a politically correct word but whatever i don't right. have any other words are they right, really right. feeling that? How does that feel yeah. like? Is that, conf- is that confusion? Is that mm-hmm. a desire to find their own place mm-hmm. in the world? Mm-hmm. Are they not there yet? Like mm-hmm. the gender spectrum, like how does that all work? I don't understand. Right. <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, the issue is that... Um, So if I begin by saying, you know, yes, we have those people who are both, who are holding the the essence of both. And then you have the people who are holding the essence of neither. And they are usually those who identify more as non-binary. There are people who are like that. They just have come and I've come in contact with them where um, I, I can feel the truth of that being their being that they have come here to embody and experience something completely different and and to offer that to the collective and i think it's a beautiful thing when it gets uh problematic is that because it is such a loud thing and it's it's almost become trendy mm-hmm. um at this point in our culture uh, you have a lot of young people who are still in the formative stages of understanding and they are not really seeing a strong feminine essence or a strong masculine essence. And so they are gravitating towards that when that may in fact not be um, the truth of their being, if that makes sense. Um, if you look at cultures that have more than two uh, genders, there are few. Um, but there are some where they have space for more than two genders. 
what how that goes, how that is created um, is that when the child is born, they are um, either considered masculine or feminine, male or female, based upon their genitalia. Um, they are assigned a gender, so to speak, um, to use our modern day terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, they are in a home where there is a, a masculine presence and a feminine presence. Um, and if they begin to arise as something else, then there are ways that you can tell that they have a different path. That is not the way that this is done in our uh, modern Western cultures. In our modern Western cultures, in many homes, um, you know, there are many children who have only uh, one parent. They aren't seeing the masculine and the feminine to even be able to form an identity based on. And so um, my observation has been that a lot of times um, the the nature of children being to um, play with different things, as soon as a child says, well, I'm a boy, but, you know, I want to wear skirts or, you know, can I wear, can I, can I play in mommy's makeup or something like that? Um, instead of kind of pointing them in the direction and, and kind of saying, okay, yes, but you're, you're a male um, and, and this is it, the essence that we believe that you are here to play with and really seeing if that is really a true thing or if that's just childish curiosity mm. because we are experiencing something different from a, um, from a societal level, the parents tend to go right into, okay, well, obviously this child is, you know, okay, well, you must be a little girl. And so they create that identity for the child often. Um, and, and so that becomes problematic. So then that is, it is coming from a place of confusion rather than a place of, um, of true expression. I don't think that children um, should have the weight of that on them. You know, um, my, uh, as I said, we have eight children and, and uh, we have, modeled for them a very strong masculine presence and a very strong feminine presence because that's what we are. And we haven't felt the need to um, be something different to try to give them other choices. And our um, children um, have arisen as uh, very much masculine and feminine and and understand the, the, the distinction between them. And at the same time, we also felt that if one of our children should, um, should arise and feel that they are something else, that they are to spirit or, or they identify more with the void, we are fully accepting of that as being their truth, provided it's coming from that place of, um, of deep fulfillment. And I believe that that is to your question, to the point of your question. I think that's the crux of the matter is, are, is this arising from the place of this deeply fulfills me? Or is it arising from the place of pain? Mm-hmm. And that really does reveal, is it confusion or is it um, or is it, you know, I really don't know, or I just, I'm just rejecting this because of mm-hmm. any number of things. If it's coming from pain, then you don't have the clarity of that at that point. So I would encourage the working through and the healing of the pain and then seeing, you know, what mm-hmm. am I? Does that make sense, Anna? Does that yes, help? I, I, th- I think so. And then, yes, thank you for that. I'm like 
sitting here and thinking, you know, like in deep thought to really try to understand this. And because you said you've come across these people, what I'm, what I'm, because, you know, I, I understand the feminine fully and the masculine, in fact, also fully because they're the complete opposite, right? But then when it comes to the two spirit and the void, because you mentioned Namaste that you've met people like this, mm-hmm. how, like, I'm just trying to understand, how does that feel coming from a place of depth? Like, I completely see what you're saying. A lot of mm-hmm. young people today, mm-hmm. perhaps if that's coming from pain or rejection or resistance or perhaps seeing, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of young people have seen like really violent masculine energies and they're mm-hmm. like, fuck that. I don't, I never mm-hmm. want to associate with that right. or even the unhealthy feminine. So that may all make sense. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm going to be in the middle. Like, I don't want to identify, <laughs> you know? So, mm-hmm. but I'm trying, like, how does the, the void or the two spirit feel like? Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't know. I mean, because you you're not yeah. that or that. <laughs> I'm just wondering from a place of deep well, fulfillment, from, in, from an experiential perspective, um, or from an embodied perspective. I do not know. From an experiential perspective, mm-hmm. um, just having experienced that energy um, or that essence, what it feels like to me is that I can feel both. You know, in a feminine essence being, I can feel her feminine radiance. I can, in a masculine essence being, I can feel his masculine um, permeating, penetrating, um, anchoring, that kind of like anchor, you know, and I I penetrate, I go, I can feel that. But from a a two-spirit being, I can feel both of those things, kind of like a swirling essence of both at swirling around at the same time. And it's just um, when I'm in their presence, it really is. It's like it's like if you took two pictures and sometimes you see this, um, maybe you've seen this kind of optical illusion where you're looking at something and it's, I've seen one where it's like a ballerina and she's twirling. And if you look at her, mm-hmm. she looks like she's twirling to the left. And if you look a little bit different, she looks like she's twirling to the right. It's almost like that. Like, what am I seeing here? This is, I'm seeing both. I can see, um, or sometimes I, I've seen another optical illusion where if you look at it one way, it looks like two faces. And then if you look at right. it differently, yeah. it looks like mom, yeah. but you can, and sometimes if you really like kind of soften your gaze, you can see both at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to that when I am in the presence um, of a two spirit being where I can feel both at the same time. And it's really a fascinating um, a, a sort of, uh, of interplay, mm. um, even mm-hmm. more rare is that, that void where there, there's neither. And, um, that's like God or something. It, it, it is, and it isn't. <laughs> I'm not um, sure if God would be like a masculine or a feminine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even in the divine, you know, I, I talk a lot about feminine, intelligent, infinity and masculine, intelligent, infinity. Mm-hmm. And so it, which is my term for God. Um, so most people will call that God and the goddess. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost like. Um, it's it's like looking at or experiencing like a tree. 
You know, is a tree masculine or feminine? It's a tree. It's it's something so other. Just there's an isness to it, um, and it's not it's not better than. And a lot of people, I really like to say that because, especially in conscious communities and spiritual communities, there's this there can be a distortion where it's like you know, the idea or the ideal is to get to a point where you're, you're not anything. Mm -hmm. Um, um, my own experience and felt sense of that, um, and, and knowing sense of that is that that's not true. It's not, it's not higher than it's just different than it's like almost going to a different planet where beings didn't have gender for some reason, you know, it's, it's like that it's, um, there's, there's neither, Mm -hmm. um, and so those beings, typically, you, they are extremely rare. These are the beings that um, often you, you're not going to often see them, frankly, on social media or having a website or anything because they're doing something completely different. They're here for a different reason. Mm-hmm. And so it's more like I come into your presence and I feel that and I, but they're not engaging with humanity at the same space that, that most other people are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that- an other... Mm-hmm. And is that the third gender that you mentioned in cultures or a third gender is something else? Um, oftentimes that third gender is taking more of the, the, the form of the both than the neither. Um, mm-hmm. So there, usually the third gender would be that third box where it's, you know, masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes in other cultures, they, they do have a space. But again, a lot of times it's, it, it is more masculine and feminine or it's male bodied with a feminine essence or female body with a masculine essence. So we, in our Western culture, we call those beings, you know, transgender beings where Mm -hmm. they, you know, they were born in one kind of physicality, but they are carrying a different essence. And so those, a lot of those people would still fit in that masculine or feminine box. They just have a, a different body you right, know, a different right. physical, mm-hmm. um, okay. uh, and some of them would fit into that third, but it's really rare that, that void, mm-hmm. you know, but I see people trying to, well, I don't want to be either thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm in their presence, usually if we begin to really engage, there is an essence there, there is a masculine or feminine essence there. It's just suppressed oftentimes. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So I got a little bit of clarity. I mean, maybe a lot of clarity. I'm I'm still processing, you know, this is like, I need to chew on this and process. And I'm sure the audience really appreciates this explanation. Thank you so much. Namaste. So before we close, there's one more kind of subject or a theme that I'd love to discuss, something that we mentioned in the beginning. But I feel like what we just had, you know, is such an important conversation that puts things into places that we wouldn't be able to actually get like, clarity in this next conversation without having these fundamentals first explained. Um, So let's talk about, um, you know, why you're, why you're here. I mean, you're here for many different reasons and different, you know, realms and lives and all of this, obviously. But, um, you know, when I watched your video, how feminism violated the feminine, I literally, so I remember watching and watching it and I'm like, wait, I need to write this down. I need to write this down. And, it was just like mm. something you were speaking through, like my essence, my being, and I kept pausing and writing it down. And I still have this notebook where I wrote everything down and I wrote a post about it. Um, and one of the biggest things for me 
And I use this actually, thank you, Namaste. I use this in my work, in my writing, a concept that I found so powerful and so transformational that you said, and obviously probably this was your being, your essence, your channeling, I I don't know. I I feel like you're constantly in some sort of a realm of higher (laughs) intelligence or wisdom, you know? But I found it transformational when you said, you know what? Nobody can give you power. Nobody can mm-hmm. take power away from you. And so this was you talking about the patriarchy and mm-hmm. how these women are marching and proving and fighting and a lot of this stuff that that's why it was called how this feminism violated the feminine. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, like this is something that I haven't been able to put into words and describe, but this has been my experience. I'm a very... And I'm kind of struggling inside. Sometimes I'm getting clearer and clearer and strong in my message. Obviously, as time goes along, and I understand that I'm so individualistic in my nature or what it feels like. Mm. Like, I don't know what to just like, but I don't have the need to go and fight because I stand in my power. I'm like, nobody can give that to me. Nobody can take it away from me. And when you said that, I was like, hell yeah. Like, that's true. And so I'm curious, how do we, you know, today as women, I just wrote an article about this. It's like, we have, and you mentioned this, and I can't remember by yourself or with uh, Richard, like, we have so much power, education and money than ever before as women, choices, possibilities, birth control, like everything we want. And, and I don't understand how can we live in this today as women. And I look at a world full of opportunity and possibility. You can freaking do anything as a woman. And yet, all we see on social media is like these empowerment, female empowerment slogans. And, you know, and so much talk about victimization and disempowerment and the patriarchy and a lot of that stuff, which I know is coming from a lot of hurt, a lot of anger. A lot of trying to, you know, demasculate, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the masculine and so on and so on, uh, revenge and all of that stuff. And so the question becomes, and a lot of women ask me, so Anna, how do I live in this world of embodying mm-hmm. a feminine essence, but still taking advantage of all the opportunities and possibilities that we are given today due to the actual classical feminist movement, which I'm grateful for. I mean, I'm grateful that I can vote and go to work yes. and travel freely and everything. But where do we as modern women stand today in this whole thing? And I mean, we probably shouldn't even talk about the patri- patriarchy and all of that because we're on the same page and the women mm. listening and who are following me know the message. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm curious, what do you have to offer us in terms of how do we navigate, like where does feminism meet femininity today? Yeah. So just because you can do a thing does not mean you have to. And a lot of women that I come across and that I observe feel that because I have all of these opportunities, I must take advantage of all of them. And I must be a part of all of them. And I believe that choice um, needs to, at some point, become making a decision. 
And when you make a decision, the difference between choice and decision is a choice is I may have this, I may have that, I may have the other. And oh, I changed my mind. A decision when you, you know, it's just like on, on when you're filling out a form, if you click one box, uh, you can't click all the other boxes. You have to just stay you stick with that box because you clicked it. Part of the evolution, if you will, and the responsibility that comes with all of the opportunities and options that we have is the responsibility to make deeply conscious decisions based on that which fulfills us. And I, when we get clear on that, we can feel a sense of uh, groundedness and a potency in our decisions, as opposed to feeling that I need to be everything all the time. I need to do everything all the time. I need to, um, or, or trying to prove, you know, I have nothing to prove. I don't have to prove to anyone that I'm a strong woman or an empowered woman, or, you know, that I'm standing in my power. I don't have to prove that. I don't, care if you think that I am doing that or not. I am here to embody and to be fulfilled myself. So if what I'm doing is resonant, beautiful, and if not, that's beautiful too. And so how we engage with that is by first singing into our own space of what feels most me as opposed to what can I do? What feels most me? And then what do I desire to do? Because we can do anything. That's the nature of our power. We can do anything. So let's not, let's not keep asking that question. And I think if women stop asking that question, um, we'll be a lot happier. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 You know, what, what, what do I want to do? What feels, mm, so something like, okay, I'm getting ready. Um, like a woman in your position, I'm getting ready to have a baby. You know, what can I do? What can I do? I can give birth at home. I can give birth in a birthing center. I could, you know, I could have a midwife. I could have a doctor. I could have, oh my gosh. And then what comes up after what can I do is, oh my God, what should I do? Well, who's determining that? Other people usually. What's the best thing to do? But if I go into myself, my being, my womb space, my yoni, my heart, my, mm, my essence, yes, what, <sighs> what do I feel? feel to do? What do I long to do? Ah, very different answers arise from that place. And those answers hold this beautiful weight of of potency. They feel powerful. And that's, that's when I talk about surrender, that's the potency of surrender that I'm speaking to. I'm surrendered to my being. So yes, yes, what feels Mm-hmm. And then you don't feel victimized ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do we, because, you know, I feel, and I told you before, Namaste, I had a woman in my audience who was like, Anna, I see you as this very ambitious, driven woman, mm-hmm. um, strong and independent in her view, you know, the strength and independent when she's looking at me, she's seeing my masculine side, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, how can you talk about all of this feminine essence and like, you know, all of this magic and everything and the mystery. And uh, I'm like, well, 
because this is my place, because I know that I I don't have to be one or the other. It's like Mm -hmm. I have a mind that is insatiable Mm -hmm. and I have a drive to be an entrepreneur, not Mm -hmm. from proving anything to anyone, um, Mm -hmm. but from a place of this is what fulfills me. Like having conversations Mm -hmm. like this with you, Namaste, coaching women, putting out content out there. Mm-hmm. this is what fulfills me. And so that's why I do it and I, and I love it. And so the question then becomes for women who own businesses, who, you know, have careers, want careers, mm-hmm. which are predominantly masculine environments because like I got to get up and like I got to get shit done. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you go to meetings and all of this. Um, now the question, mm-hmm. the other question is, of course, does your career fulfill you or are you there to prove something to someone? Mm-hmm. But let's say we have recognized that and we are, let's say a woman is on her path. Yeah, like mm-hmm. she loves her job and there are many women who are there and I'm a woman who's yeah. not for, okay, women should stay in the kitchen because I'm never going to be that woman, you know? I mean, maybe when the baby comes, but right now I don't feel like it. And I don't think my man will actually want that. So, but how, so how do we navigate having fulfilling work, going to work, mm-hmm. having a business, mm-hmm. having a feminine essence and like mm-hmm. coming to work to our men to be the goddesses that we want to be and create the polarity and everything. Mm-hmm. I think this is the biggest question of the modern woman. Yeah. I believe that within the, the willingness to be the inspiration in those environments. Um, A lot of women, they tend to, you know, feel, let me put my feminine um, essence on the back burner so I can go into this masculine environment. And I believe we should do exactly the opposite. Um, Bring, when I was in corporate before um, I left about eight years ago now, um, I was a human resource manager for the second largest security company in the country and um, I uh, worked with predominantly men and it was a very, I mean, security is very masculine driven mm-hmm. environment. And my role there was not to compete with the men, but to be what the men cannot and, and to bring what the men cannot. And it's not a demeaning of men in any way. We're very different. They don't have to, that's why I'm there. And so Um, bringing that into the corporate environment, bringing that into uh, wherever a woman finds her place, that the feminine, there's a space that the feminine is there to, to embody and to fill. And it is our responsibility um, and our great privilege to bring that into those spaces. And my students are, some of them are engineers and doctors and lawyers, and some of them are even in the military. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're bringing that feminine essence into those environments. And as they remain embodied in femininity, they are finding that to their surprise, um, their careers are actually taking off. Um, things are easier. They were like, Holy cow, Sri Namaste. Like all this time I thought I had to be in, in some sort of masculine space and I was constantly getting pushback. And when I just embodied in my feminine, I was scared. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I did it. And everything just opened up in front of me because a deep truth that many women have forgotten 
that uh, I truly want to help women remember is that the masculine loves to meet and provide for the feminine. And so the, the masculine isn't, ma- men compete with other men. They compete with the masculine. So when we are trying to be masculine, we're going to arise that competition with masculine beings. But when I'm in my feminine, when I totally embody in femininity, the masculine does not compete with me. It, it seeks to meet me. It seeks to support me and to provide for me. And that's very delicious because then I can do what I'm here to do instead of instead of competing with men. Mm-hmm. And in work, it works the same way as in relationships, you would say? The dynamic Absolutely. feels the same? Mm. Absolutely. Um, when I was in corporate, um, the, the men in my office were asking me, you know, what do you see? What is, what is it, you know, how should I handle that? I mean, they were seeking out that feminine counsel because I wasn't trying to be like them. Mm. I'm not a man. I'm not masculine in any way. And, and they respected that. They appreciated that. Even, even my, um, you know, the people that I reported to, the president and the VP and the managers that I reported to were seeking me out for that. Um, mm. So it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting thing that I, I call it like, you know, just this hidden gold that, um, that most feminine beings don't realize. They, they're trying to be like the guys and then they're like, mm-hmm. well, I'm getting so much pushback. I have to fight so hard. I'm like, no, surrender to your femininity. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I, I inherently know and believe this, but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm so happy we talk about this. And I know we're over time, so we're finishing in a couple of minutes. Um, perhaps Namaste can come back and talk to us about this because this is really the question. And I feel like I'm getting more and more clarity because I can, what you're saying resonates with me deeply. And I knew before, all this time, all this time along, I knew that this was possible. We don't have yeah. to lead like men. We don't have to play the male game. And there's beauty in partnership when we come feminine and masculine in the relationship, but also at work, only together we can create incredible companies. Like I'm building girl skill with, you know, in my coaching practice with my husband. And I'm just witnessing this, amazing partnership that I couldn't do on my, I mean, perhaps I could, but it would take me longer, a lot of stress and probably a disease at some point. Um, But like, do you know what I mean? So Mm. even at work, I'm so happy you're like, I'm just grateful to hear that it is possible. We can lead in a feminine way. We don't have to go against our nature for eight hours a day or more just to, you know, do the work we love or be, you know, uh, fulfill our ambitions, for example. And there's nothing wrong with ambition, um, mm-hmm. even if you are feminine essence, because we want to create change and there is this drive to, you know, to, to, to change, to create change and to create moves and everything from a place of love and, and um, you know, not from a place of wound or a- anger mm-hmm. or hate or all of that. So yeah. unfortunately, we got to finish up. Yeah, <laughs> I could be talking to you forever here, you know, a couple of days in a row and everything. But um, so real quick, I wanted to ask you, are there any people online that you would that, that you follow or you find inspirational you would recommend for people to to for all the women listening to follow? 
it's time for tools and resources on Girl Skill. Um, I really enjoy um, Amelie Arda, who is the founder of um, Awakening Women. I enjoy her work. Uh, she is all about the yogini path, which is not at all associated necessarily with yoga as most people think of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I find great value in a great deal of her teachings. Um, uh, and uh, Rachel Jane Groover, who is the founder of the Art of Feminine Presence, um, I find a great deal of value in her work around the feminine as well. When it comes to th that that polarity between the masculine and feminine, I really enjoy um, David Dada um, yeah. and, and what he speaks about. Um, Padma Ayan Kasha, also, and Shekhana uh, Lorinsky, I believe I'm pronouncing her last name right. They, they're not together, but they have both um, influenced, and I really appreciate the, the way that they engage with that masculine feminine polarity and the, the teachings, the depth. Um, of the teachings, uh, the people that I really get the most enjoyment and value are from are people who take it from a more spiritual perspective. And there's a lot of, of, of depth in what they're, they're bringing to the table and embodiment to what they're bringing to the table as well. So those are some of the names. <laughs> love it. Love it. Thank you. And are there any books that you could recommend? Um, you should write a book, Namaste. Are you writing a book? I I am writing a book. Oh, I am amazing! Um, because it's been asked for for so for so long. Yes, and, uh, please. Together, um, a book or or three, <laughs> or or five, or five. <laughs> you know, there, there's so much here to go into, and I have such a plethora of books as well. Um, most recently, I'm really I love uh, things by Carl Jung. Um, because of his archetypal work. And I mm -hmm. believe that the archetypal um, perspective is so beneficial um, in looking at that. More specific mm -hmm. to femininity, Womb Awakening is a really good one. Any of the books by uh, Padma and Prakasha, he has written books. Feminine and Powerful by Rachel Jane. Uh, she, she wrote a book on that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have some books by but I don't have them in front of me by very little known authors. I like to read a lot about um, just looking at femininity through different cultural lenses mm -hmm. because I find that it adds a depth to it as well as I love to read books about the feminine through different spiritual lenses. So there's a book called The Hebrew Goddess um, that mm -hmm. is really beautiful because it talks about the feminine from that place of um, uh, a richness of the spiritual path and, and the ancient ways of looking at feminine. Mm, mm -hmm. Love it. Amazing. So we're going to link to everything in the show notes for all the listeners. And uh, namaste for all the women who are like, oh my God, this resonates. I want more, uh, which mm -hmm. I feel like, I don't know, everyone, all the feminine essences around, <laughs> they're like, you know, jiggling and I don't know. I'm like, oh, I want more of this. Give me more. So where, where can they find you and uh, get to know more your work and follow you and um, consume? And I know you're doing a lot of videos and content with your beloved, who you mm -hmm. call the king and your beloved. That's an amazing uh, resource in itself, just seeing how 
both of you talk about these issues and his perspective from the masculine mm-hmm. is also very powerful to see. So where yeah. can they find more? Um, while I'm on Facebook as uh, Namaste More the Feminine Alchemist, I have a Facebook page and um, we are Richard and Namaste everywhere. Our website is richardandnamaste.com. We're Richard and Namaste on YouTube. We are known as the Infinite Couple. So we have an Instagram uh, account together that is the Infinite Couple. And uh, I also have a feminine oriented Instagram account that is um, I am Namaste More. And uh, we have a program, um, the School of Feminine Transformation is, is the body of feminine uh, work that I've put out that covers every area of a, fem- of a woman's embodiment and, and experiential uh, being, as well as the School of Alchemy, where we teach together. Um, so it's for men and women. And we really focus um, on everything through that lens of masculine, feminine polarity. So how to build a business, how to... Um, be spiritual and, and have a spiritual path, regardless of your path, um, how to parent everything through that lens, because it is so, so vast. Mm-hmm. I love it. Namaste. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure and I can't wait to release this interview. And um, it's just been incredible. Thank you so much for your time, for your presence, for your mm-hmm. divine feminine presence as well. And uh, for you know, for cl- for bringing clarity into this conversation and answering my questions, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Anna, for having me. And it has been an honor and a privilege to talk with you. Hey, are you blown away? Because if you're not, like you should be, <laughs> go back to listen so you can be blown away again. Um, but yeah, if you have enjoyed this episode, I honestly think that every single woman should listen to this. Of course, there are many, many women who are not ready for this message. And if it's not, if they're not ready, that's fine. It's not for them. Please share this episode with every woman you know, or a woman that you feel will deeply resonate with it and step on this new path of femininity, feminine essence, and just being a woman and loving it. Um, You can share it straight from the podcasting app or, you know, wherever you're listening to it or send her to girlskill.com slash 82. Yes, slash 82. And uh, yes, charge your karmic energy, leave us a review, share this episode and all the tools and resources, all the books and everything the master mentions on the episode, which is so juicy and wise and deep, are also at girlskill.com82. All right. uh, I will see you next week with, of course, another amazing episode of Girl Skill. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined.